That's the bourbon talking, Barry. Yeah. <laughs> That's the Perry talking bourbon. <laughs> Hey everyone, couple of quick notes before we jump into this week's episode. This was recorded all the way back in October of last year before I had some of the finer things ironed out uh, about this show, such as tips and bits or what we've been drinking. So be on the lookout for a uh, younger and slightly more nervous Perry uh, in terms of the structure of the show. It was still a lot of fun. I had a great conversation with Mike about bourbon collecting. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, and I wanted to plug this real quick too up front since I didn't do it at the end. Um, we are on Patreon, of course, at patreon.com slash podcast. if you want to become a patron of the show. Uh, we have different tiers on there. We have some goals that we're trying to hit before uh, we can do some really cool stuff. Uh, so go ahead and go check that out. Uh, and I will be seeing you next week with Curtis and Tanner. We're going to be talking about... Uh, music and what kind of music we like to listen to when we're drinking bourbon. But until then, enjoy this episode. I'm Perry, and this is My Bourbon Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to This Is My Bourbon Podcast, the official show of This Is My Bourbon Shop, a show where we talk about all things bourbon, why it brings people together, and what makes it the spirit of Kentucky. My name is Perry. Thank you all so much for being here. And with me tonight is my friend Mike. How you doing, Mike? Good, Perry. How are you? Doing very well, man. Thank you so much for welcoming me into your man cave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Glad to have you. It's always good to have people over and drink good bourbon. Man, I, I, there's nothing like good bourbon to um, spark good conversation and, and uh, inspire friendships. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Um, so as per usual for uh, this is my bourbon podcast, we are going to be drinking throughout the show. Uh, Mike, what are we drinking tonight? Well, we've got a selection, Perry. We're starting off with Old Forester <laughs> 1920 Prohibition Style. One of my 115 favorites. 115 proof. Um, you said you'd never had it, right? I have had it before. Oh, you've had yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I said I, I hadn't had it in a while, and oh, I've also okay. not had it out of a Glencairn before. Uh, before. Excuse me. Um, but Yeah, man, the Glencairns are neat. I, I'm not so sure they're not a lot like the fancy wine glasses. <laughs> I think it does help focus the, the scent a lot. Sure. The aroma, you yeah. know. I, um, I lose some of the the burn and the alcohol actual the actual alcohol flavor from really it. I do yeah I get I get more of the straightforward um, notes on it when I drink out of the Glencairn glass. Well, I'm drinking um, out of just a regular tumbler, so I have to switch and see if I notice a difference. Yeah, sure. Nice. Um, and and when we get to our review for the episode, um, I'm gonna make sure that we're drinking out of the same glass so that we're getting some of the same apples notes to apples. The, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so. In, uh, in honor of tonight's first official uh, drink of the podcast. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah. Mm. Hard not to like that. I know. It's like the golden retriever of bourbon, right? It everybody is. loves it. it loves yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was such a surprise when it came out, too, because their, uh, their Whiskey Rose series just didn't quite live up to expectations, and then all of a sudden... The 1920 came out, and everybody was like, oh, yeah, something special is going on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of art, you know? I mean, you, get, you mm. set a barrel in there for a number of years, and you taste it, and 
hope it's good and you got the distiller's taste buds. There's something to be said, too, about tradition and the tradition that, that went into creating this whiskey, I think. Um, you know, going back to um, the, the storied past of <clears throat> Old Forester, you know, it being the only distiller that was open during Prohibition and, um, you know, recreating that whiskey um, makes for something really different and, and really exciting. And I think that might be one of the reasons that people latched onto it so quickly. Um, but <laughs> it's also so good. Yeah, it is. I think even if they called it, you know, 1950, I'd still like it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, but yeah, exactly. it is kind of neat. It'd be, it'd be fun to find an old bottle and see how close it is to the taste of the original yeah. batch. Definitely. Man, that would be... The, dusty of, the dusties of dusties. It would be, yeah, a little too dusty, I think, probably. <laughs> so, um, I, I, as I usually do, I'm going to ask Mike a couple of questions on the show. Um, and our first question is, Mike, how'd you get into bourbon and, and what drew you to it as opposed to other spirits or other alcohols? And um, why do you find that it's important to your, your journey as a, a drinker? <laughs> <laughs> In the nicest way possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, you know, I, I've been, I'm from Kentucky. I grew up in Lexington. So, you know, I think there's a, there is, in my mind, uh, a desire to support, you know, uh, what's a local product. Um, it has been for, you know, hundreds of years. Um, you know, when I first started, I actually thought it had to be made in Kentucky to be bourbon. And I quickly learned I was incorrect. And had to stop telling people that everywhere I went, but <laughs> but I was very proud of it, you know. So um, I, I got into bourbon seriously. Um, I went to an event at Liquor Barn hosted by uh, Matt Preston, who started the uh, Lexington Bourbon Society. Right. And it was sort of a little tasting. I think it's an event they do to try and you know drum up interest and build interest. And I really enjoyed it. Um, I like drinking the bourbon. I mean, it's interesting to me to taste the different flavors. It's so complex. I mean, every bourbon you taste is different. Everybody tastes it a little differently. I mean, so it's just, it just sparks interesting conversations. And, you know, that social conversation, I think, is a really important part to me, too, is the socializing, you know. Um, I mean, if you come on at the end of a long day and you have a, a cocktail to wind down, that's one thing. But, you know, something about bourbon, you know, it's a bourbon bar, you know. It's a different, you know. I mean, you think about wine, and wine is, you know, it has sort of one culture associated with it. And bourbon is a much more, I think, active, sort of jovial culture. Wine people probably wouldn't say that, but sorry, wine people. But, you know, <laughs> it, it appealed to me. Sort of the, the crowd I met was a very social crowd. I liked it, you know. Um, and so I really enjoyed that, that aspect of it. Right. There's a, um, I, I've, I've talked about this before with uh, Curtis, one of the co-hosts of the podcast. There's a coolness factor yeah. with bourbon, too. Yeah. You know, there yeah. definitely is. I mean, you, you know, uh, uh, collecting bourbons, I was... I was telling you a little bit earlier before we started the show you know i've got this thing about ancient h and h tenure and you know that's mm -hmm. sort of an old 70s bourbon you know and it's sort of the rack pack sort of coolness to it you know and it's sort of you know it went out of favor for a while um but i think but, it's still out of favor oh do you i i really do i i don't see a whole lot of people um suggesting uh, suggesting ancient age or really reaching for it the way yeah, that they no, do it's a, it's a bottom um, shelf these days yeah for sure it's a bottom shelf you know but but the old stuff's good. But but you sort of, you know, old charter, old forester, some of those, sure. you know, you associate those with sort of like cool factor, you know? Oh, are we, are, sorry, we might have hit a little bit of a discord there. Oh, that's um, right. I, I was talking about H&H &H 
um, as it is now, yeah. as opposed to the more of the dusty bottles. All oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Range. No, I agree. Yeah. I agree 100%. Yeah. yeah, now it's definitely bottom shelf. I mean, it's, it's good for, I think it's a good value for its price. Sure. It's just not a very complex, you know, interesting bourbon. But Listeners uh, of the show will know that my, my favorite value bourbon is Heaven Hill six-year bottled and bond. Yeah, that's a lot of people's favorite. That's uh, a good one, isn't it? It, it? it is as close to a house bourbon as I'm ever going to get. Yeah. And, uh, man, the, the, the smoothness of that for a $12 bottle of bourbon, it's hard to beat. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. It reminds me of the um, when I had a house bourbon um, before I started collecting. It was Weller Special Reserve. Yeah. And yeah. now, you know, it's allocated, which is crazy. But we won't get, get into that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a, that's a whole podcast in itself, isn't it? Oh, man. If we... <laughs> but it was available, you know? And it was down there with the ancient age. It was a little bit more. It was, yeah, I think, $16, $17 a bottle, but it was great. Good deal. Um, so the this episode is going to be mostly about um, <clears throat> bourbon collecting as opposed to... Um, bourbon drinking or having your your house bar or whatever so mike why'd you really start getting into collecting or what what made collecting more <clears throat> favorable to you as opposed to getting an 80 dollar bottle of bourbon and, and downing it in a couple of weeks <laughs> <laughs> yeah well <laughs> there's a health consequences of downing any bottle of bourbon quickly obviously you know is it something to consider for all our listeners out there, um, but don't do, uh, we're not suggesting that you do that. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. No. Um, it, it's something about my personality. I think you know. I, I've collected other things. You know, um, I like having and curating a collection. You know, I like having things that are interesting. Um, bourbon. My collecting has sort of run through different cycles. You know, when I first got into, it, I was very enthusiastic. You know, I was, oh, I got to try this. And somebody said, oh, try this bottle so I get that bottle, you know. And, oh, try this one so I get that one. You know, so I got a whole bunch of stuff and tried it. And, and I kind of slowly through that figured out what I liked and didn't like, you know. I've got a collection of bottles in the basement that were just stuff that I opened and got and didn't care for. Sure. And, and now it's more I'm trying to find uh, find bourbons that, you know, I like, uh, that I want to try. Um, Save them for special occasions, you know, trying to get, get more unicornish. You know, although I can't really afford the true unicorns, but, you know, try to get them out there, sure. um, you know, and try and collect them. And it's it's just nice. I like seeing them there, you know, and some, it's just a personal collection. My dad really likes Blanton's, so I have a collection of Blanton's. You know, Blanton's is produced, you know, there's Polish, there's straight from the barrel, there's green label, there's black label, there's silver, right. there's, I mean, there's a whole lot of variety. So they really, uh, really are easy <laughs> to collect in terms of, you know, getting a lot of stuff and I used to collect match bar matchbox kit cars when I was a kid and you know gum gum pack cars when you used to get the cards and stuff so I've just kind of always been a collector you know garbage pail kids yeah <laughs> <laughs> those kind of things and yeah yeah exactly um so as a collector where do you find your you're drawn to the most in terms of um stores or locations you know given we're in the cent- center of Kentucky you it's bourbon country so you would think wow you know, the great bourbons are everywhere. You would think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As you implied, it's exactly the opposite, unfortunately. You know, um, an example would be one of the most sought-after bourbons, Weller 12, the cheap man's pappy. Um, it's hard to find around here. It's allocated. Um, people I've heard follow trucks and, you know, go in and buy it 
or you have to know a store owner. Um, but it's all over the place in Texas. If you talk to the guys down there, it's like it flows in the streets freely, you know, which is, is probably true, and that has to do with the, the allocation system. I mean, they just have enough liquor stores that sell enough liquor that they get a large allocation, but people just don't drink as much bourbon down there, you know. So, But, um, you know, I, I go to all the local shops, you know. Um, I'm not too much of a hunter. Um, there's guys I know that, that develop a relationship with a liquor store owner. Um, my life doesn't allow me to do that. My, my job doesn't allow me to have that kind of time uh, to go and do that, you know. Sure. Um, I've camped out a few times at Liquor Barn, you know, but that's a crazy system. So, you know, you could have a whole podcast on that as well. Oh, um, but, you know, so I, there are groups, you know, Lexington Bourbon Society, the guys trade there. There's other guys that I know. You kind of get, as if anything, once you get in that community, you know who's trading and, you know, you got here, Louisville, um, you know, even down in Bowling Green. You know, so there's guys that you learn that, that have bottles. And you kind of help each other out. You try and help out local guys. Right. Have yeah. you ever had any luck with uh, the lottery system of... <laughs> I have Clinton not. Burns. No. Yeah. No. No. I, I, I gave up on the lottery system. I don't, I don't blame you. Yeah. I don't blame you. I, I got real lucky last year, last Christmas, with uh, the Pappy Holidays. Oh, wow. And um, didn't think I was, I was going to win and won a bottle of the Van Winkle 12. Wow, and, nice. And uh, it's almost gone, but I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, that's good. It's good special occasion bourbon. That's that's nice. Yeah. The, actually, my, my, my wife, who's a fantastic woman, individual, actually went down to Heaven Hill when they were releasing Parker's uh, oh, and wow. uh, William Heaven Hill and stood in line for me oh. and uh, brought some back and went by Willet as well and got some some nice, nice. picks at Willet. Yeah, she's a fantastic woman, so she helps out. Now, to um, speaking of the the Heaven Hill exclusive releases, one of the ones that I have really grown to love is the Elijah Craig Barrel Select, which is um, more commonly known as the Grenade, and I actually. And uh, I, I owe you for uh, introducing that to oh, me. Oh, really? Yeah, because our mutual friend, Tom Monarch, um, we had a, a bourbon night at his house a few months ago, and you sent over a couple of bourbons for us to try, and that was one of them. Yeah. And I had never had that before and absolutely changed. The oh, wow, <laughs> great. That's great. My, That's great. My, my world. And uh, I was in Bardstown... Uh, a few weeks ago for the Bourbon Heritage Festival and had to stop by Heaven Hill to pick up a couple of bottles. They have it? And, uh, yeah, they did. Oh, great. They did, surprisingly. Um, and they they had the Elijah Craig barrel-proofed as well, barrel-proof, excuse me, as well. And I, I didn't wind up getting that, but I was in Kroger last week <clears throat> and the guy who was working there goes, you know, we got we got one bottle left of the barrel-proof if you want it. <laughs> and it was twenty dollars less at Kroger than it was in the gift shop, and I said, yeah. "Bring it, bring it on." Yeah, the gift shop. I've been told they do that to drive business to the liquor stores that they're not seen as competing. But yeah, I've had that same experience. It's sure, much, it's more expensive. So, are are you are you more willing to go to liquor stores than you are gift shops, um, or do you find that there's some kind of um, thrill almost, or or um, What's the word I'm looking for? Visceral experience that comes from, <laughs> yeah, or, me or memory that comes more from, because you know you go you go to the Maker's Distillery and you buy a bottle of of Maker's Mark, 
it's the same bottle of Maker's Mark that you can get at the the liquor barn here yeah. in town. Um, well, but how do, how do you? It's the same bourbon, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. you didn't put the wax on it. I mean, yeah, no, I went to Maker's yeah. Mark and did the tour and put the wax on it. And I've, I will save that bottle for a special occasion because it does have more meaning, you know. I do like that experience. It is visceral. It's more interesting. Um, the Heritage Bourbon Center is nice. You know, you can read a lot of history. I like going to Willett. You know, Willett's a love-hate thing. You know, you want to go. Yeah, they've got great bourbon, but the way they allocate it is so random that, mm-hmm. you know, you might go Saturday morning and they don't have anything out, and as soon as you leave and get in your car and drive off, they'll bring something out. Apparently, there's one woman who decides which bourbon's going to go out and how much and, and so on and so forth. So, you know, you almost have to yeah, yeah. know somebody and even that's... But, but that's also part of the hunt, you know. I think it, it is interesting, you know, um, I don't wait in lines a lot anymore, but um, if I'm traveling for work and I'm in another city, I'll go and look and see what they have, you know, because a lot of times they'll have something interesting there, particularly smaller towns, they'll get an allocation, you know, even right. if it's just a couple of bottles, and the people there don't really have the same interest as collectors in Lexington or Louisville, you sure. know, northern Kentucky, so... Um, well, let's take a quick break and pour our next glass. Sounds good. Yeah, great. If you don't mind, what do you want to go for next? Uh, you, dealer's choice. What do you what what, <laughs> ha, what do you want to try that you haven't had? Well, uh, let's see. If you want to see what we have, we'll just name it off. We got some uh, 08 O Weller uh, Antique 107. We've got some Ancient Age. We we're talking about that Rat I mean, Pack. Maybe, maybe we go that the yeah, Bottle we'll and go Bond for, Ancient we'll Age for the in, in honor of the Rat Pack. <laughs> Maybe maybe the Rat Pack's not right. Maybe it's more the uh, the racetrack. But <laughs> are, are you at all a fan of Jack Daniels? I really not. Uh, so have you had the Jack Daniels uh, Sinatra? No. Select or no. whatever it's called. Yeah, no, I really yeah. haven't. I haven't. Uh, I've heard great things about. Have it. you? I have. Yeah, surprisingly you know, so. I should probably give it a try. I sort of like sticking <laughs> to bourbon, you know. Sure. But. Um, yeah, no, I don't. I, I've tried, you know, a lot of bourbon guys also branch out into scotch. That's like chewing on a campfire log to me. I mean, oh. It's like you smoked a cigar from the wrong end. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's just like, give me some charcoal to chew on, you know. I was just, no, thank you, you know. But, oh, we're doing this. Yeah, right. Yeah, please. Mike is being uh, awfully gracious with his, his bourbon collection this evening. Well, that's part of the fun of it's sharing. <laughs> Thanks so much. Uh, For those of you at home, we have a third party in the room. Uh, He's just not on mic. He's the producer of the episode. (laughs) Oh, wow. It's interesting, isn't it? It is. It's... It's a very different experience on the nose. What year? Did you, what year did you say this is from? Uh, you know, I really don't know. This is a. This is the only the second bottle of Ancient Age I know about. I can't read. It's hard to read the glass stamp on the bottom. But oh man. But yeah, the bottle and bond. I think it's really mellow. It's hundred proof, but it's not very hot at all. No, not at all. <clears throat> Excuse me, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> No, it, it's it's not hot it, it, in very many ways. It goes down very smooth. It's extremely flavorful. It, it reminds me of um, 
like butterscotch candy. Yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I like um, some Armagnacs and things, and it reminds me more of that kind of a distilled sort of liquor mm-hmm. as opposed to bourbon, you know. And, yeah. and I don't know if it's, you know, you'd think the mash feel hasn't really changed, but, you know, I, I, I've, there's one other guy that I, I uh, know who collects who has a bottle of Bottled and Bond as well, but I've, I've kind of searched around and put some feelers out and not been able to get anybody that has a bottle, or they don't want to let go of it if they have it, <laughs> which might be the case. Oftentimes, it's hard the- to get collectors to tell you what they have. <laughs> That's part of the fun of collecting. It is. is, is it is. It well. is. Yeah. You know. Well. You know. I hate to say it, but there's probably a little hoarder inside of every collector. Sure. It's just so, fancier than newspapers. So. <laughs> or old bicycle tires or yeah, whatever. You know, yeah. Take your pick. So, uh, where do you find the line between collecting and hoarding? Oh. Uh, well. <laughs> or can you? Yeah. Yeah. I think you can. I think you can. I think if it. If you know, had somebody tell me once that the difference between sort of just being a little anxious and being OCD is whether it keeps you from going out of the house in the morning. And I think that's kind of the same way. You know, it's like if you got to turn the doorknob the right way and you just got to check it before you leave, okay, great. But if that keeps you from going out the door because you're worried about it so much, that's an issue. You know, I, I think, you know, I think for me, there's probably a certain amount of money involved, you know, monetary limits, sure. you know. Um, some of the unicorn bourbons these days can get fairly pricey, um, you know, and I think just space too. I mean, I think if, you know, if you can't walk into the room where your bourbon collection is, you know, you might think about whether you're a hoarder or not. <laughs> <laughs> Wall-to-wall bourbon doesn't sound terrible on paper, right. but in practice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's when, it, when it spills out onto the floor and fills the room, you know. What do you think about uh, bookers raising their prices? You know... I don't know. Will it did the same thing a couple of years ago? It's part of the market, I think. You know, I mean, sure. I, I I can't say anything about it. I mean, that they're in the business of selling bourbon. They're going to price it where they think's fair to make a profit for themselves, and I have no problem with that. You know, I know Will it did it because there were a lot of flippers. Will it was very reasonably priced. You could buy it, and on the secondary market, if you knew people that were interested, you, you could sell it for twice the price. So Will it up the price? You know, which really irritated people because they had a sure. good deal going. Um, plus it's, it's fairly expensive in bookers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just part of the business, you know, it's going to, you know, bourbon costs more now than it did 10 years ago and that's probably not going to change. It'll keep going up. So sure. yeah, I'm okay with it. And, and there are those people who say that eventually that the whiskey boom, the, the bourbon boom is going to flatline. I'm a believer in that. Everything cycles. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, in another 10, 20 years, we might see those prices come back down. Yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd I'd be surprised. You we'll know, get, people be, be getting pappy at cost. It'll be sitting on liquor barn shelves. <laughs> so another question I like to ask people who are on the show is, what's your desert island bourbon? Um, if you can choose one. Yeah. And I know that that's, uh, as we had discussed before, pretty close to what's your favorite bourbon. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I, I like to think of it as... You know, if you had an everyday sipper, what would it be? So uh, I'm going to repose the question. Well, no, those are, diff- those are two different questions in my, true, mind. Yeah. in my mind. yeah. So for the desert island, first thing I'd take would be my wife. She's not a bourbon, I realize, but uh, that's first. <laughs> so second choice would be a bourbon. You know, and it's... People... Good, man, good man, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're listening, Trish. <laughs> the, um, you know, I, I always have a hard time having one favorite, but I... But, of the bourbons that I've tasted, I'd say the John E. Fitzgerald 20-year 
it is the best bourbon. That that would be the one if I had to pick that I'd take with me. Is that another Heaven Hill exclusive? Uh, St- old Stitzel Weller. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Wow. It was bottled under the Fitzgerald name, but yeah. Okay. It's Old Stitzel Weller. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's delicious. I, think I have, I have one bottle for each of my son's weddings. Oh wow. Yeah. Very cool. So, Very yeah, cool. Yeah, it's nice. So so, but now for daily drinker. You know, I, I like the E.H. Taylor uh, line, single barrel, um, and the small batch. And for daily drinker, I always think something that's readily available. It's not something you have to search. Exactly. It's not yeah. something you have to know somebody to get. It's something you can walk into a store. Now, those are two, those are two borderline here because you don't sure. see them too much. But you travel to Paducah or Bowling Green, you'll see those on the shelves at reasonably priced, too. They might be mm-hmm. a little bit above, you know, manufacturer's suggested retail, but they're yeah. pretty close. I think Eagle Rare is a good value. I mean, it's a Buffalo it Trace is. product. Yeah. And it doesn't get a lot of attention, uh, particularly the store picks. But it's around thirty dollars, a little bit less. And for that, that's a super good value bourbon. You know, I was um, saying earlier, it used to be Weller before that became allocated. <laughs> Weller Special Reserve. I mean, <laughs> that was great. You know, um, one of, one of the real good value bourbons for me recently has been um, the Henry McKenna Ten Year Bottled and Blonde. Yeah, a lot of people like that. I tried that. Not and a it fan? just didn't hit my palate right. I just, really? Yeah, yeah. No, I couldn't. Yeah. It's very popular, and a lot of people like it. But I too just much couldn't. spice for you? A little too much heat. Yeah. You know. Uh, you know. Uh, there's. There's. I think still going on. This sort of. You know. <clears throat> chase to the highest proof. You know, and guys like in 140 and all the BTAC stuffs really pretty high. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm just not a super high. You know. What? 140. Oh yeah, that one forty four I think is the highest I've heard of. I can't. I think I think there was an Elijah Craig barrel proof that was one forty four. But you know, to me, the alcohol and the heat just burn all of the taste out of it. Mm-hmm. For me, eighty hundred. We had the one hundred fifteen. Eighty to one hundred is the magic. And I've even got a little app that I'll use to uh, cut some bourbons down that are higher proof. It's one hundred twenty. A lot of the Willets, for instance, are odd proofs because they're barrel proof, right? So I'll add water to cut it down to eighty or ninety. Sure. Um, because for me, it's all about the flavor and the complexity. I like a little heat, but yeah, I'm the same about hot peppers. I'm not the guy that's going to sit in the room and you know chug hot sauce to prove how tough I am. <laughs> it just burns my taste buds. You know, I just yeah, I like a little bit of heat. I like a little bit of spice and flavor. I don't want to eat you know a plain chicken sandwich on white bread, but right. you know, I don't want to burn my taste buds either. <laughs> no mustard, no mayonnaise, nothing. Just no. That's man. Ooh, just man. put some cardboard in there and go. Oof. Oh. You'd need a lot of bourbon to wash champ. that down. What a chance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to finish this off. Yeah. It's mm. almost got a, you might have described it as musty, but almost a woody aroma. You know? mm-hmm. It is, hasn't quite gotten to a musty yeah, yeah, no, point yeah, yet. Yeah. But, yeah. oh my goodness, that is just fantastic. Yeah, I think um, what, what you characterize as um, woody, I I would have said earthy. Okay, right, yeah. sure. Not not like dirt necessarily, but right. it's got some of those more um, natural or or mm-hmm. um, yeah, natural flavors. Yeah, too. yeah. But, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Fred Minnick's book, uh, Bourbon Curious, <clears throat> is phenomenal for for anybody who is just getting into um, the world of of tasting bourbon um so if you uh are interested in trying to develop your palate and 
playing along with the the conversations that we we have going on on the on the show. I highly recommend checking that out. Yeah. <laughs> I highly recommend uh, I highly recommend checking that out, um, especially as kind of a starter's guide for for bourbon tasting. But anyway, where are we headed next? Uh, we talked about Island Bourbon, and we did. Yes, know. we did. Um, we talked about Rat Pack Cool Factor of Bourbon. Yeah. So we're recording. Tom, would, you if there, would you see if there's some snacks in there, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. This episode's producer is uh, brought to you by Tom Monarch. <laughs> Tom Monarch snacks. <laughs> Cookies will be out in ten. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Can I ask a question? Yeah. How far have you ever traveled for a bourbon? How, how far have I traveled to specifically trade or get a bourbon? Or Buy, sell, trade, or, or drink? Well, I mean, I mean, I've traveled far and drink bourbons wherever I go. So... I don't know mileage. I'd have to say England is the farthest I've gone and and drunk bourbon. Wonderful bar uh, called the Scarf Bar. If you're ever there, I highly recommend it. Beautiful old Victorian, dark leather chairs. I mean, it's where you go and just sink down and have a cocktail and you know, you're there. Um, you're really, really warming and comforting. Sounds the awesome. Fireplace, jazz music. I mean, it's sort of like a classic. <laughs> like we're talking about, you know, the old cool factor. It's, it's that. Sure. Um, the farthest I've driven to find a bourbon probably, it would be Paducah, but again, you know, I, I look wherever I am and we're down in, um, Florida on vacation. I'll look there, you know, um, cause they'll tend to have different allocations and, and different distributions. Um, I was in Vancouver and, and look there. It's fun for me to just go to a bar and see what they have, you know, because, and, and the further, I do find that the further away you get, the more, um, popular their selections are. You know, they, they have, they'll have, you know, Woodford Reserve, they'll have Maker's Mark. The Bullet now is pretty popular, but the brands that are really marketing themselves out seem to have, really have that coverage. And some of the stuff that you'll get, say, down at a Bluegrass Tavern or uh, OBC Kitchen or one of the places that's local that has a much more diverse collection, you know. So, but yeah, I don't, I, I try, probably Paducah is the farthest I've gone to get a specific bourbon. It's four hours. Was that you or Trish specifically? That was me. That was me, yeah. That was me. So far, this Trish has gone is Bardstown, so. This hour, hour from here about to Bardstown, probably? Just about. Yeah, yeah roughly. Yeah, no, no more than an hour and a yeah, half. Yeah, a little less, a, maybe. On a bad day. Here's to Trish. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> um, Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are we drinking next? Oh, uh, well, uh, let's see. You said, uh, let's see, we're, we're going through. I think I'm glad to, to offer some things that you haven't had to try them. Um, we'll save the stag ginger for last because what is that? That's uh, this bottle is uh, yeah, my eyes are bad and the light's dark. Oh, that's not bad. That's <laughs> one 29.7, so that's not too hot. No, um, let's try this old pogue. Sure, I'll tell you. Um, you talk about favorite bourbons, and I guess you know, this would be classified a unicorn. Um, but not to me, not probably not on a lot of people's list, sure. but the original Old Pogue was one of my favorite bourbons ever. I don't know much about Old Pogue. Would you mind going a little bit into that? Yeah, well, it's, it's made in Maysville. It's local. Um, 
They were. It was made, gosh, I'm trying to think back uh, how long ago it was. Um, oh, probably maybe 20 years. I can't remember. It's been some time ago. Um, and it was a kind of a, it wasn't too expensive, like $20, $30 a bottle. It was mid-range. It was delicious. Um, and then they just messed up their manufacturing and ran out and had some other trouble. And I don't know the whole story about why they stopped making it. And then they brought it back, and for a while they were sourcing um, through one of the, the larger distilleries, which, I mean, that, I mean Smooth Ambler does that it successfully. Happens. So that's not, I mean, it's like, it to me it's no too. different than, I think traditionally people think, well, you know, you put the grain, the mash, everything happens and you barrel it all in one place. I think bourbon industry is broadening and becoming more like the wine industry. So you might have somebody that, you know, only makes the juice. You might have somebody that only makes the wine. You know, you might have sure. somebody that does both. So, I mean, it's broadening, I think. But, but and now they're starting to, to produce their own juice uh, and distill it. This is not as good as the old one. I, I don't know where I'd find one of those old bottles. I'm not sure there's any left, you know. Um, and the people that have them probably have them because they like them. Sure. Um, but, you know, so that, that'd be probably my top unicorn would be to try and find one of those. Well, that, I think answers, it's impossible. that answers the next question. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to post to you. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to try this. I've not, uh, as I said, I've not had Old Pogue. Yeah, it's, a, it's an Old Pogue. It's 91 proof, you know. Um, it didn't, you know, they, they sold it in limited allocations. You had to buy a case. I think they were hoping that it would take off and be more popular than it was with the collectors, and it just didn't. Um, it just didn't didn't take off so um i don't i haven't seen when they're gonna have their next release out mm, it's nicer than i remember <laughs> you sure you don't want to keep it then <laughs> <laughs> i have another bottle <laughs> now how old is that one do you know I don't. I keep asking you to, to look at this bottle, these bottles real closely. Yeah, I know. I've got my, I need to get new readers. I'm at, <laughs> Tom will find it. I don't know. Is it a braille? <laughs> <laughs> no, there, it's usually stamped on the bottom, but that's an open bottle, so you got to be careful turning it upside down to look. But so I'm getting some vanilla in the aroma in the nose. I am, too. There's a small hint of caramel in there, too, mm -hmm. but not much. It's probably oh, the, the smoothest, most the least hot bourbon so mm -hmm. far. Heat on the back end. There's kind of a, like, what is that? I'm getting a fair amount of oak up front with some vanilla. I am too. There's almost an, uh, like a allspice oh, yeah. smell to it. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Well. What's that? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> but well, cheers. Yeah, cheers, yeah, cheers again. <laughs> you know, it's it's nice. It's to me it's it's um certainly not bad. Um but it doesn't have the complexity and spice of some other bourbons that I like. It has a velvety mouthfeel too. Well, I have no complaints. <laughs> <laughs> That well, is, I mean, I'm talking good, better. I'm not, you know, it's not good versus sure, bad. Sure, and I'm, I'm, I'm coming from the point of never having had Old Pope before. Oh, yeah, right, you know? right, yeah. And uh, I, I don't have anything other than this to, to compare to. Yeah. And i got to be honest, this ain't bad. 
No, this no, is, I mean, I think it's a good is, bourbon, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, perhaps perhaps my comments earlier led you to think it was... Yeah. <laughs> it it tastes... Uh, it, I, I might be a little bit off, but it tastes kind of like it's got a higher rye content. Um, it might. You know, I mean, not, to, not terribly much, but, you know, it's just got enough spice on it to suggest that the, high, the, the rye might be a little bit higher. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't take away from the, the overall sweetness of it at all. It seems a little more viscous on the tongue to me it than does. some of the other bourbons we've it had. It does, yeah. It, it, it hangs with you for a mm-hmm. little bit. Goodness gracious. Yeah, if there were wine, it'd be more full bodied. <laughs> I've never heard anybody This call is my that. wine podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody's heard bourbon referred to as full bodied, has it? I mean, I don't think so either. <laughs> this is a this is my bourbon podcast exclusive coming to you. <laughs> There's a little it's bit a of almost scoop. uh that earthiness, almost dirt, you know, mm-hmm. and chocolate. Which, you know, a lot of listeners might think, why would you want to taste dirt and chocolate? But it has it sounds tastes nice when it's it, in a it, bourbon. It you know? goes it goes well together for, it does, for it? whatever reason. Don't and, don't uh, put dirt on your chocolate bar, we're not recommending that either. <laughs> Don't mix your, your bourbon with with a dirt either. That's right? oh yeah, no, that wouldn't be good either. Mike, do you ever go for um, bourbons that are like one shots, or is is the rarity of a production or a batch does that appeal to you? Um, not so much, you know. Um, not so much. Uh, Although I will collect a few things that are rare if I think it's good to have in my collection to trade. I mean, when I look at my collection, I look at it two ways. One is, you know, I've got things that I really want to drink, got things that are interesting, and then I'll have some bourbons in there that I think are um, desirable. So that if somebody has something I want, I'll have something they want that maybe I'm willing to let go of. So I don't have to trade away the bourbons that I want to keep, but I've got something in my collection that allows me, you know, to expand. Um, So we'll do that some, but just rarity alone, no. You know, I'm, that's why I don't go wait at the liquor bar and, you know, and camp out or, you know, go to the lotteries and that kind of stuff. The, uh, that, that question was posed by a producer of this episode, Tom Monarch. Um, <laughs> um, to follow up on that, what are you normally looking for in the trade? Um, fairness, I think, above all. You know, <laughs> so nothing particular brand wise. Oh, brand wise. Oh, 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 brand wise. Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, if it's morally <laughs> on par, yeah, you're yes. set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, fair, no, no. Fair like, and everything. It, yeah, it, yeah. Is there anything that you're typically looking for in a, in a trade? Uh, not, not, not necessarily. You mean brand, bourbons that I might want to trade for? Yes. Ah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I mean, all, all the ones I'm looking for. I mean, right now I'm looking to get another Jeff Twenty. Um, you know, I've got two now, like I said, one for each, uh, son's wedding. I'd like to have a couple more, um, because I like it. It's 375. They're small bottles, 375 milliliters. So they're smaller bottles. Um, so I'd trade for that. Um, I'm looking for a cured oak, um, E.H. Taylor cured oak. I'd trade for that. Um, so I, I'll trade for just about any of the bourbons I'm looking for, you know? And, uh, shameless plug, if you're, uh, interested in trading, Either of those to Mike. Get in contact. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get in contact with the show. Uh, this is my bourbon shop at gmail.com and we'll be happy to redirect your call. No, you. thanks. That'd be great. Yeah. 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 We're all about connections here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. Is there well, anything that you've uh, that has been just kind of out of your reach in terms of trades or, or 
purchases that oh. you you still would. Well, there's a lot out of my reach that I'd love to try. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. You know all of the old uh, old Fitzgeralds. You mm. know um, a lot of the A Hirsch. Um, you know vintage uh, bourbon and rye. Um, the things that are that are rare because they've been collected and, and held. Um, and they have a lot of uh, de- desirability in the collecting community, so they command a high price. People typically don't want to trade those. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of the old Stitzel Weller would be interesting to try. You know, a lot of the old bourbons would be interesting to try. Um, but you know, those those are those are out of my price range, <laughs> and I, I don't have enough to trade. You know, so sure. But typically, those guys too that have them know what they are and want them and. You know, aren't interested in trading them, so yeah. A lot of times, I'll trade like you know. You were talking about um, earlier in our conversation uh, before we started the show about you know going for the uh, allocation of the uh, 2017 birthday bourbon. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, what I'll do is you know I don't want to stand in line, so I'll try and have something in my collection that I can trade with somebody that gets one of those, or maybe gets two, you know, and has one and, and is looking for something else, um, so that I can trade for something like that. Because I have to try that 2016. I thought it was fantastic. A really, really beautiful bourbon, really mm-hmm. sweet, you know, caramely, um, and nice. Have you had um, the 2017 Four Roses small batch limited I edition? I haven't. Yet? I've been trying to get one of those, but nobody wants to trade them. <laughs> I I managed to uh, have a couple sips of it at Bourbon and Beyond, uh, the music and bourbon festival in in Louisville, <coughs> and uh, I I gotta say, good. <laughs> If I had it, I wouldn't let go of it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that would put you in the majority in so, my experience yeah, right it, now. <laughs> it, it was it was phenomenal, and uh, you know from from what everybody said, this has been the best release of the the small batch LE. Yeah, the, so the, far. Yeah, before that, two thousand. You have to go back to two thousand twelve. Is what I hear mm-hmm. was the really. I've not had any of that either, but I'd like to try. But that apparently was a, a really delicious year as well. You know, Four Roses really has a strong following too. It, it does. Yeah, guys that love it. It's very scientific, the way they've got the 10 different mash bills, mm-hmm. you know, and you can mix them and match them. And Do you, it, have you tried all of the... I have not done a tasting. That'd be interesting to do. No, no, I haven't tried all 10 of the different variations, but it's very scientific. Yeah, I haven't tried them either, but I love the OBSO, and I had that for the first time at OBC. Okay. And... <laughs> they, I've not tried all of them, but apparently they do taste very different, you know, with the yeast yeah. and the different um, recipes. From the couple that I've had, yeah, they, yeah. they, they do seem to be. Yeah, yeah. I've got a 2016 small batch and a Brent Elliott, but I haven't opened those because I've only got one of each, so. As, as a collector, do you find that there are distilleries or, or companies or, you know, the, the larger conglomerates of bourbon or the, the spirits world? Not it's not just limited to bourbon that hike up the prices in order to um, raise the hype over it, even though there's nothing to show. You know, I don't. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of a question. loaded question. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, but I think you know the only one I can think. Well. Um, I don't know if we're trying to avoid talking about different distillers and things, but, you know, I think Blood Oath by Luxco is an example of that. I think they tried to create okay. a rare sure. bourbon that really didn't take off, 
And I think, like a lot of things, you can't force it. You know, I mean, sure. design, art, planning, whatever you take your pick, you know, things sort of happen in a natural way, and sometimes they spontaneously happen. Sometimes you can be like four roses and have ten mash bills and be scientific as you can about it, but there's still a certain amount of nature and, you know, happenstance as to whether Bourbon Town's good enough. Was it warm? Right. Was it cold? You know, this side of the rickhouse, that side of the rickhouse, you know, so on and so forth. Um, so you can't really force it, but I I don't think it's price gouging in my mind that's the most frustrating part of collecting. The most frustrating part of collecting is the allocation and, and the sure. fact that, you know, you just can't get a hold of the bourbons. I mean, in my experience, most of the times, even if you go to like a, I keep saying liquor bar just because of the, the biggest you know, liquor store around, um, but uh, you go there, you wait in line, they're not charging you more than manufacturer's retail price. Um, so it's not really, you're not raising the price so much, but it's just so hard to find. That's what's frustrating is, you know. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the, the ones that I find to be the most overpriced, and there, there are some, <clears throat> there are some really good bourbons in there. A couple really good ones are the Orphan Barrels. Yeah, again, that's you know, a thing a little bit like blood, I was talking with Blood Oath. Same kind of idea, too, you know. Yeah. There's some really good ones. You know, people really like Old Blowhard. Um, and what a name! I know. <laughs> they had to think about that. Gifted right? Horse seems to be one of the favorites too. You know, I didn't care for that. I've actually not had it. Yeah, uh, I've, I, I've heard good things about it. I have a bottle Except in the basement you. I can give you. I don't know if I've given it away. If I, if I have a bottle in the basement, I'll let you have it. Um, I'll go you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I would agree. I think that's another one where they tried to create, you know. And it, they, I think, to me, if you think about Blood Oath and <clears throat> the Orphan Barrel series, it's really more about the story than the bourbon, you know. You think about a Buffalo Trace, you think sure. about a Pappy. I mean, I remember, you know, walking in, and, and <laughs> I'm really not too smart sometimes. I shouldn't say this on the radio. <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, used to be older Van Winkle was in sort of a ceramic bottle and had this kind of like guy with this corn head on his overalls leaning against a tree, and I'm like, it just didn't appeal to me, you know. Being an architect, it didn't have that sort of panache that I thought it should have. Silly me. You know, but you know, you just you just can't judge a book if by only its you cover. Could go back. Exactly, you know. But I mean, but what a great bourbon inside, right? You know, I mean, that bourbon came about because it's a great bourbon. You know, Maker's Mark, um, a lot of marketing, obviously, but there's a good product there too. You can't, you know. Whereas Orphan Brown Rhetoric seemed like they're trying to create the story and then put the bourbon inside the story instead of let the story grow from a good product. You know, the good bourbon. You know. Sure. Um, so, it, are there to you? Not necessarily overrated, but overhyped bourbons. Pappy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think it's overhyped. Only you could see the look on his face. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> every man's got his opinion. I'm sure a lot of people disagree yeah. with me. You know, people will pay you know a lot of money for a bottle of Pappy for their wedding or you know other celebration and. Um, there's a lot of other good bourbons out there that I think aren't, aren't as sought after and therefore aren't as expensive. Michter's 10-year, wonderful bourbon. Love Michter's wonderful, 10. Wonderful bourbon. Love you know, 10. I mean, not not near, but just doesn't have the hype. I mean, Michter's mm -hmm. is more low-key, you know, but they produce very good bourbons. They're just not, they just don't have the marketing panache of Pappy, you know. And every company approaches it differently. So, I mean, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I just, sure, you know. I, I've, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'll say it as many times as you want me to. 
I prefer the Weller 12 to the Van Winkle 12 floppy. Oh, really? I do. I don't know that I could say that, but... I There, there is... And uh, repeat listeners know that I, I've said this before, but for Mike, I'll say this again. <laughs> <laughs> there is something about the, the Weller 12 that just seems more flavorful to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Van Winkle 12 seems to have too much heat. Mm-hmm. Uh, the finish isn't as long. And, and you know, I'm going to catch flack from plenty of people. But the the Weller 12 just is more interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, to me, qualifies the the notion that Pappy is a little bit overrated. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, I think a little bit, too, um, when you're saying that, what I think about is it's really a little bit like what's great about bourbon is everybody's palate's a little different. Exactly. And not only the drinkers, but the people that are the master distillers that are picking the barrels, right? I mean, yeah. it's it's like store picks. Um, and lot B is really, Pappy won't like me saying this, it's like a store pick. What I what I mean is that it's picked by Van Winkle, but it's the same barrel as Weller 12. Weller 12 is just not picked exactly. by Van Winkle. It just comes out like it does. You know, it's picked by the master distiller. You know, and I had uh, two Buffalo Trace store picks, you know, so same Buffalo Trace. Buffalo Trace bourbon. Um, exactly. That they tasted completely differently. One I loved, one I thought was too hot and didn't really care for, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so it, it, I think what you're seeing there is just, that's just one of the complexities. That's one of the great things too, you know, about bourbon. It's just very complex. It's got a little something for everybody. And, and you know, if you don't like hot, don't drink hot. Sure. You know, this might be a little bit off topic of collecting, but do you find that store picks kind of devalue the the more traditional experience of the bourbon? Um, no, no, they're, they're almost like a, uh, you know, set into themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Weller Antique has a lot of store picks. Eagle Rare has a lot of store picks. You know, there seem to be bourbons that are store picked more than others. Knob um, Creek Single Barrel. What's that? <laughs> Knob Creek Single Knob Barrel. Knob Creek, yeah, right. Yeah, Knob Creek gets picked a lot. And I, mean, I don't know if that's because the producers really um, see that as something they want to promote and more than others. Sure. I, you don't see a lot of four rows of store picks, although you do see some. Um, I've got I've a, not, a I've couple. Never, I've got a couple of private store picks. Uh, other than the 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 four rows of single barrel. Yeah, that's the one has, that's the store pick. Yeah, right. Store Those picks. store picks. Yeah, yeah you'll mm-hmm. see store picks of that. Um, and so I lost sort of lost my train of thought. Was I talking about? Oh, oh, store picks. No, so they don't devalue <laughs> the original though. You know, sometimes sure. what I see is that they'll have a higher value in the cooking community mm-hmm. because I think because. It's like everything else. Somebody likes that particular, st- you know, they'll be looking for a store, certain store pick of this certain bourbon. You know, that's got a higher value because it appeals to them more. Right. You know, yeah. Like in, there's a NCF, which I've not had, non-chill filtered Old Weller Antique out there, which is not really a store pick. It's a little bit of a variation oh. on that idea. It's a different type, right? Apparently, if you don't filter it, it leaves more of the solids, which leads to a cloudier bourbon, but also leads sure. to a more complex flavor. Um, and that's really desirable now, you know. It leaves, so. Yeah, it leaves all those chunks of <laughs> stuff, <laughs> of char. And, yeah. Yeah, it makes it a little bit chewier. <laughs> <laughs> I've not had one, is it? <laughs> you can imagine, though. Well, I, I will say, though, that um, <laughs> the chewiest bourbon I've ever had, again, was thanks to you. Oh. 
Uh, and it was that bottle of Blanton's that you sent over to Tom's house. It was what a 91? 91 90, or ninety three? Yeah, or, it was an older one. Like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I and, love uh, older Blanton's. I, I did not like this bottle. Oh yeah. Wow, okay. 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 It tasted like you licked the inside of a shoe or something. <laughs> well, <laughs> man, I, I I'll never forget that. And sorry, and just no, no, no. It, it's fine. But I just remember that night, and wow, Tom texted you, and uh, we're all going. This had to have, this had to have been a, a test or a joke or something. <laughs> And you and Tom said it. Everybody thought it tasted bad, bad, and you replied with, "It was in fact a test. You all passed." I <laughs> say that. Oh, I had to remember that. That's funny. Oh, that's funny. The tale of oxidation. Yeah. Um, so do we have do we have one or two more before we move on to the actual uh, review? Two. Of we've the... got the uh, stag junior and the old world antique. I still think we got the stag being as hot as it is. I think we got to leave it to the last. Sure. Sure. Try some old weller. Yeah, let's do it. And this is a uh, old weller from oh, 08 squat. Oh, 08. Which is a really super cool bottle. You can't see it for I'll hold it up for our listeners. <laughs> but it's kind of, I like it. It's just got a neat feel to it and shape. It's something about the proportion. You know, when you love something, it's almost intangible. I think if you could make it scientific and break it down, you wouldn't love it, right? I sure. mean, love's an ethereal yeah. thing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's unquantifiable. Oh, that um, makes sense. And and for you know for those of you who can't see or don't know, this bottle was is from two thousand eight as yep. we had said before. Right. And so what's that make it? How old is it? That makes it nine years old. No. Oh uh, eight. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, 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 you're right. <laughs> it's nineteen oh eight. In which case, spo- take ar- it back. No, no, architects <laughs> are supposed to know math, aren't they? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, which else, and, of course and, means it's not like a wine. It's just a. You know, nine-year-old <laughs> bourbon. It's dead and exactly. aged in the bottle. Exactly. And um, mm. sometime between the the most recent rebrand of Weller and 2008, they changed their, their label again and the shape of their bottle, actually. They did, yeah. So I had never seen this... Uh, this label or this, this bottle before in the most recent years. So uh, when, when this episode drops... I'll put up an, a, a picture of this bottle on, on Instagram so you all can see what it actually looks like. And if, if I hadn't known that it was from 2008, I would have thought that it was much older. You, you know, know, they've got the parchment-looking label and the old script, um, and they've got the laurels around the WLW, the William L. Weller brand. Um, yeah. So I think they are, they are, I think, marketing it as, you know, mm-hmm. His stomach historic and old. Sure. I, I I will say it doesn't smell like Weller Antique today. Interesting. <laughs> it's it's got a lot I don't think I have any Weller Antique right now. I should have brought my bottle. Yeah. i it'd be interesting to try that. Just managed to to find one a couple weeks ago. Oh yeah. I called the Kroger Wine and Spirits in Richmond and at about four o'clock in the afternoon. And they said, yeah, we, we got a couple cases of Special Reserve and a, a case of the Antique 107. Yeah. And I said, I'll be there in five minutes. How many bottles did you have? I just have the one bottle of the Antique. Is that, is that all I'd tell you? Yeah, that's all that they would sell me. Yeah. But I, I, See, managed, a... I managed to pick an extra one up for my dad. 
Oh, nice. So, <laughs> well, you know, as a collector, that's bo- I both appreciate that and I'm frustrated by it. it. It's extremely frustrating. I'm frustrated because if yeah. you want two bottles, you can't get it. I appreciate it because if they didn't do that, you would have guys that would follow the trucks, literally, um, yep. or go, like you did call, and they would buy it all up. Exactly. And then, okay. Buy, buy and buy the cases. Yeah. You know, and that's not really, then it makes it hard to get. So what do you think of this Weller? Uh, I haven't had a sip of it just yet, oh. but the, the nose on it, it's much more floral than the than today's Weller. And that might be uh, a result of some time to let it breathe. Might be, yeah. But This uh, bottle's been open um, probably uh, since Sunday, so not too long. <laughs> No oxidation, I don't think. No oxidation, <laughs> I, I, I would say, at all. But um, it, it certainly has more on the nose than, yeah. than today's. So I had a thought, but I forgot it. <laughs> it must be the bourbon. Oh, man. It's a little bit hotter. It's 107 proof, which isn't it that is. high. But I think, it, it's a, I think it's spicier than the old Forester at 115. It is. It's got more heat to me. By, by far, yeah. yeah. And this is... And isn't that interesting how the same basic product can be that different? It is, yeah. I mean, it's at a lower proof. And this is, was this back when it was still age-stated at seven yeah. years? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So this is, uh, <laughs> I never thought, for one, that I would have uh, an age-stated Weller, other than the 12-year. Yeah. Um, and... Too. I mean, it's got a little the, pepper the, the, in the end. It, it really does. You know, yeah, like little, it sits peppery. in the very back of the throat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but man, that is the the finish just keeps going. It does stay there a while, doesn't it? It's I'll nice. be I'll be tasting this tomorrow still. Yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope it's a better experience than the blends. <laughs> Something you don't want to keep tasting, you know. Hopefully, you want to keep tasting this one. It's not that I still taste the blends. It's just that it. <laughs> It haunts me. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll have to give you some good older blends. I really like older blends. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Something but that... <sighs> it's interesting, though, talking... This isn't really about collecting, but it's interesting that you talk about the difference between a bottle that is freshly opened and you open it and drink it right away and, and you let it sit for a little while because, you know, if you keep bourbon sealed, keep it in a cool place and out of the light, it lasts a, a good long time. Bottles that particularly aren't um, open last a good long time. Sure. Um, but I had the, the Parker's... Last year's Parker's. I think it's 23 year. Um, I think that's right. Yeah, I think it's 23 year. Uh, Parker's Heritage. And uh, somebody gave me a taste, and I hadn't tried it, so I tried it. And it was like, you might as well stuck stuck an oak stave in my mouth. I mean, it was like, you know, oh, tannic. And I was like, yeah. But then I tried one from an open bottle later. It mellowed completely. Really? It was much better. Yeah, I was very surprised. Have you gone back to your bottle since then? Oh, which bottle is that? Last, last year's. Heritage. No, no, no. That was a friend that had it. I don't have that one. Oh, I don't okay. have that one. Okay. No, no, it was a, a friend that had it that opened it. And then gotcha. I tried it a couple of different times. So Sorry. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, no. I, Parker's Heritage, is, again, that's an interesting idea. You know, I think it's a good idea. I, I tend not to be a huge Heaven Hill fan, you know? Um, in or, general? Uh, yeah, in general, you know? Um Tend to like Buffalo Trace, probably just the mash bill and my palate, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge Jim Beam fan either. I, uh, I Jim Beam's real hit or miss for me. Yeah. Um, 
I will say I do like the, I do like the the older Elijah Craig, the 18, 21, 23. I do, sure. I do like those. Hard to talk about on. rare. Tom was asking about rare bourbons. EC twenty Elijah Craig, sorry Elijah Craig twenty year. Yeah. Well, that would be one that would be nice to find, but that's hard to get to. Good so. luck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Again, I'd have to. Yeah, I've got to send a son through college, so I won't be buying that anytime soon. <laughs> Again, this is a little off the mark, but I found in a. Uh, before Elijah Craig changed their their bottle design, but it was post dropping the age statement. Mm-hmm. Um, I found one of those bottles in Richmond. Yeah, and uh, I, I, f- I I believe that something has changed between then and now because yeah. it tastes like a, a completely different bourbon. Well, when they take the age statement off, that gives them a little more flexibility as to what they put in the final product doesn't and, it and we all get a little bit more frustrated as a yeah result. yeah exactly <laughs> well i mean it, you know it's and it's a business and i understand that you know mm-hmm. i mean they they have to i i know i shouldn't say it. that sounds cynical i shouldn't say it they may be just trying to experiment with the flavor you know um which i think is great you know i think we're all waiting for the day that that age statement comes back though <laughs> <laughs> i think a lot of people liked it better i think from what i've heard yeah yeah i don't know if i've ever actually had the Age stated Elijah Craig, but I honestly, I, yeah, I honestly know. don't find myself uh, like craving it necessarily. Yeah, because I I just like Elijah Craig small batch as it is so much. Um, and, you know, the new one I think is a nice bourbon and a very good value. Just just the regular mm-hmm. small batch ninety four proof. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I I I love it. Yeah. I mean, it it would if it were a little bit. Just just a little bit cheaper. I would I would buy it fairly. It's exactly regularly. what I was thinking. It's not quite in my mm-hmm. value category because of the price point. Yeah, if exactly. It were four or five dollars cheaper. Yeah, it'd be certainly there. Because it's what thirty dollars now. I think so. Yeah. 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 Twenty nine I mean, or thirty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. really, if it were twenty five dollars. Yeah. <laughs> for twenty, it'd be fantastic. Yeah. Really. Really, I'd I'd be all over it. Yeah. For sure. But, I mean that, and that doesn't detract from the the quality of it. No, not by at all. any means. It's I mean, that just, probably gets to your your question earlier about you know where they're pricing them, and you know I'm not a marketer, so I don't know about that. But mm-hmm. it'd be nice for less expensive. I think all bourbon should be less expensive, just in theory. But I completely agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think I would ever manufacturers. Get... If you listen to the podcast, just saying. <laughs> and if they are, you probably need to stop. <laughs> Man, if everything was that affordable, I don't think I'd ever be up off the floor. Oh. Uh, <laughs> do you have kids? I don't, no. Well, that's, you can have a couple of kids. That'll keep that from happening. I am married, though. Does yeah. my dog count as a kid? No. No, yeah. If you leave home and forget to feed your dog, that's okay. If you leave home and forget to feed your kid, that's not really good. So it's a pretty big difference. I love my dog if she's listening to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> dogs are great I love dogs but that's way beside the point yeah mm. back to the the 107 real quick very much a different experience from yeah we should have another podcast and do like a tasting of it we should line up different <clears throat> kinds of you know maybe sure, we'll have you, or something yeah or, we'll have you, you back know, for a for a flight fight and lot b or something yeah or try it out and see. we we've done a flight fight on the on the show before we did a flight fight i like that yeah i i adopted that phrase from uh j 
Chad and Sarah of It's Bourbon Night. Um, oh, nice. Chad Perkins of... Yeah. Uh, and, and Sarah, yeah, actually, and too. Chad and Sarah, they're both in the Lexington Bourbon Society. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Great, great organization. Lo- love. Short plug there. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we love Chad and Sarah, um, as we've said on the show. Um, but their their YouTube channel, It's Bourbon Night, they, they use the... Um, I'll attribute the, the coined phrase flight fight to them. <laughs> um, but we, we did a bottled and bond budget bourbon flight oh, fight. Fun. So everything was under $20. Um, oh, and that, fun. that was with, uh, the home base co-host of the podcast, Curtis and Tanner, um, where we did, we did Evan Williams, mm-hmm. bottle and bond, very old Barton and, um, heaven Hill six year bottom and bond and uh if you haven't checked that out go and check that out uh you'll be no no uh old bartertown bottle and bond it's it's in that price range it's it, under it, 20 it, i think i've only ever seen it for about 21 oh just over yeah okay yeah just over so it okay um it it, it yeah it just barely fell out of the yeah. the range for it but uh um what was that trader joe one that you brought in. Yeah, speaking speaking of uh, budget bourbons, I'm I actually I haven't had it in a little while, but I really did like the Trader Joe's bourbon. Trader Joe's is a good daily drinker. It really is. It there, I really enjoy it. Yeah, it's it's um, nice. Uh, it's enjoyable. It's, it's not, not overly, overly complex. Yeah, I was just about to you say. Know, it's not overly hot, but it's a very good bourbon. It's I a think. ninety proof, isn't it? I think so. I yeah. think so too. Yeah. 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 And I think it's. If I remember correctly, it's four or five years. Yeah, I don't remember an age statement, but yeah, maybe. I, I, I don't. You th- four? Yeah. Um, which is I. I liked it better than Jim Beam. Yeah. Which is ten ten proofage points lower. Yeah. But the same age. It's cheaper than Jim Beam. Yeah. You know, I I would be happy to have that around the house. I just haven't had it in a while. Yeah, but, no, I mean, um, I kind of, since I collect now, you know, it's, it's you know. Yeah, and uh, we might we might do a, an episode where that's what we review at the, at the end of the show. That'd be interesting. Um, speaking of which, I'd like to move on to our, uh, our review of the, um, I, I brought in the 1792 225th anniversary uh, bottle. Um, we'll save the Stag Jr. for, for off air. To, sure, yeah, to, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Sure. Um. <clears throat> but uh, we'll be right back here in just a second. We're going to pour our glasses of uh, 1792, 225th anniversary, and we'll be right back with you. All right, so we are back. Uh, we have poured a, a couple glasses of the 1792 225th anniversary bourbon. Um, for those of you who don't know, I have actually reviewed this with its bourbon night on their YouTube channel before. Um, it is a 10-year bourbon that came out in honor of Kentucky's 225th anniversary. Uh, it's a 92.15 proof. Uh, 92 for 1792 when Kentucky was founded, 15 for the fact that Kentucky was 15th state in the Union, 
or Commonwealth if you're from Kentucky and you get mad when people call us a state. Um, <laughs> wow, I'm learning um, all kinds of things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you didn't think you were going to get... Uh, in no, a, but a I'm a history buff, so it's great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, we are both drinking out of uh, Northern Glasses, which I have not... I don't think I've actually had this out of a Northern Glass before. I, I, I've had it out of a Rocks Glass, and... Um, a lot I can't of people don't like the New Orleans class, but I like them. I, I like them quite a bit, yeah. They have, well, I have, I'm a fairly big guy, so I like it a little bit better than a Glen Karen in terms of fitting the hand. Yeah, it, it, it's, a, again, a very visceral kind of uh, ergonomic experience mm-hmm. to, to have the... the Probably the architect. Glass, but, yeah, exactly. Um, Mike, what do you like about the nose on this one? The uh, first thing I like is I love banana fosters, and that is just all yeah. over. I mean, what a wonderful scent. Yeah. I mean, if you're in the kitchen with banana fosters, how can you not just jump into the frying pan? <laughs> I mean, it's wonderful. It is very fruity. I, I get a lot of, um, <clears throat> like, caramel apple. Yeah. On it, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I could see that. And it's uh, maybe a little bit of cinnamon and vanilla. Mm-hmm. Just a hint. But, it's uh, nice. And yeah. I, I was, before we jump back on the air, we were talking, um, and I, I'm not a Barton's fan. But, you, you know, I might have yeah. found one I like. So far, uh, if you can if you can find a bottle of uh, 1792, grab it up. But I'm gonna uh, res- <laughs> hold back on my my full review of it until we've actually had a, a couple swigs and yeah, uh, you know. So cheers, cheers again. Yeah, yeah. Drink up. Yes, sir. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. I'll take another sip. Sorry, I forgot we weren't on TV. <laughs> Don't blort your bourbon, that hurts. Oh, man. That's really good. It is. It's quite a bit fuller than the... That's good bourbon. ...than the, the small batch. The taste batch. changes. Very quickly, too. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's quite a quite a roller coaster. The heat's fairly even, though, as flavors. it builds. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't, doesn't hit the you heat at doesn't the end or at the all. front. It's very, it, it sort of, in my mind, builds very evenly. It's and very nice. And there's not a lot of spice on it necessarily, mm-hmm. um, but but the heat is is fairly consistent. And again, it doesn't take away from the overall flavor no, of no, it. No, no, not at all. It's very warming almost. Yeah. I mean, it adds but, to the experience, I think. And uh, the, the fruitiness that I had on the nose is consistent with the, the palate. Um, I do get the more of the caramel and, and vanilla once I actually taste it than I did. Yeah, I was just nose, thinking caramel. But, um, man, I, I I wish I had another bottle of this to to have around. I'm I'm getting close to this one being finished. And yeah, uh, I know. I threw some in my infinity bottle at home. Oh, do you have um, one of those? I do. I just started it about a month ago. Um, <clears throat> for those of you who don't know what an infinity bottle is, we talked about it on the show a little bit. <laughs> What you do is you take your last ounce or two of your bourbons that are laying around and you just dump them all into one bottle. And it provides an experience that really is unlike any other in, in tasting bourbon. Have you tasted your Infinity bottle? I, I've, I've only got about five or six ounces okay. in it. Oh, okay. So I'm, I'm waiting to add a little bit more to it before sure. I, I, I dive into sure. it. Sure. Um, but I, I've, 
I don't want to divulge the the ingredients so far. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I'm looking forward to not just tasting it in the future, but also the idea of being able to pass it down to um, future generations is actually really, really exciting to me, too. Um, So we're getting close to to wrapping up this episode of um, This Is My Bourbon Podcast. I've had a lot of fun talking to Mike about uh, collecting bourbon. We've had a lot of good uh, tastings throughout this episode. Um, Mike, would you recommend the 1792 I would recommend 1792 Yeah. And that's coming from a, a non-Barton fan. Yeah. So that's like an extra star in the recommendation. <laughs> yeah, I'm the, I'm the same way. Um, <clears throat> it's going to be kind of hard to find nowadays um when it was gone it was gone but uh if you can find it in a bar or on a shelf somewhere i'd I'd definitely recommend picking it up um a lot of fruit a lot of caramel a very consistent spice but uh yeah this is uh this is something that i could easily go through a couple glasses of without thinking too much about it. goes down easy. It does. It tastes it does. delicious. Uh, and, and, and to me, the taste changes every time I have a, another sip. You know, and the, the nose changes. You got a lot of bananas fosters. I get a little bit of wood in there now. Mm-hmm. It's got a lot of complexity. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So good on 17, or uh, excuse me, good on uh, on the Barton Distillery for pumping yeah, out something good, so, so good, good especially in, in commemoration of Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, so, Mike, Thank you so much for uh, for welcoming me into your home. Yeah, I appreciate glad you it. Came. It was fun. Uh, thanks for being on the show. I hope to have you back. Uh, yeah, in the well, future. let's do a fight flight or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, something. We'll figure out something. It'll be a lot of fun. And uh, thank you all so much for listening. If you want to find the show on social media, we are at my bourbon shop on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to reach the show on uh, email, it's this is my bourbon shop at gmail If you want to find my personal accounts, I am pritter1492 on just about every platform you can find. Um, again, Mike, thank you so much for, for being here. I really appreciate it. And uh, my name is Perry, and this is my bourbon podcast.